0: Sir Quentin Blake's book illustrations are known and loved the world over. Remember Willy Wonka, Fantastic Mr Fox, The BFG, Matilda, the list goes on. With a career spanning more than 50 years, Sir Quentin Blake has been one of the most successful illustrators of children's books ever. But now his attention is focused on the state of the world. An exhibition of new works titled We Live in Worrying Times is open at the Hastings Contemporary Art Gallery in the south of England. It includes a large-scale mural described as his Guernica, which, with its rawness and originality, is unlike anything the artist has produced in his illustrious career. I've been speaking with Sir Quentin Blake about his new works and reminiscing a bit about his special relationship with Roald Dahl. Could you tell me a little bit about your new exhibition, We Live in Worrying Times? It seems that you're expressing your concern for the current state of the world.
1: That's right, I don't quite know how I got into it, but I I will tell you the implausible story about the taxi driver. A couple of years ago, I ordered a taxi from a taxi firm I used, and it arrived here. And I got in, and the taxi driver got in after me, and sat down opposite me and said, we live in worrying times. That's where the title of the exhibition comes from. And he went on and he explained that he'd seen Picasso's Guernica in Spain a couple of times. And he said, what we need is a Guernica for the present situation. And you are the man to do it. And, I mean, this is, you know, hard to believe. But anyway, and I said, well, I'm not quite sure that that's my kind of thing. And he said, no, he said, you're the man for the job. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. So... I said, all right, I'll see what I can do. And I said, would you like to tell me your name so I can tell you what happens? And he said, no, 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 I I keep an eye on everything. And that was the start of it. I mean, I haven't anywhere that I could do a picture of the size and order of Guernica, but I show a lot with Hastings Contemporary. I have a second home in Hastings and at the end of my road, by another coincidence, there is now a wonderful art gallery, which is Hastings Contemporary. And they have a large gallery called the Foreshore Gallery. At least I was able to get a sheet of paper five feet by 30 feet up there. And Actually, I did it one afternoon, actually. I mean, I I had a a small rough about a foot or 18 inches long, which I'm, I'm referred to. But a lot of it I made up on the spot and I drew it on the paper on the wall in the gallery where it is now. Migrants feature in it, particularly people fleeing from things. And so it was a kind of anthology of things that you might be distressed or flee from. And there are burning buildings and there are aeroplanes and there are people taking shelter. And I put the taxi in the background as well, as a matter of fact. And so the picture is called The Taxi Driver. Then, because I mean, I've worked a lot with Hastings Contemporary and they're up for anything, particularly their director, who's Liz Gilmore, who's very, very enterprising. So we kind of created a show around it. And she tells me there are another 170 drawings. And they're all online now, of course. But I'm used to working in sets of drawings. I did a, a set of publications called the QB papers. And there were 20 of those. And and they're publications of perhaps 32 pages or something like that. and so it's a suite of drawings on some subject, you know, the art of conversation or somebody drawing or somebody performing with a fan or something like that. So I'm used to thinking in terms of sequence. And so I've done some sequences that go along, which take part of this show. There's one called Unfortunates, which are drawings of people who... You don't know what their misfortune is, but they clearly are unfortunate. There's a sort of neutral background, a sort of desolate background. You can't see where they are, but you can just see that they are in distress. And then there's another set. And those are portraits of young people. They're obviously adolescents. They're not being distressed. They're being puzzled. You can see from the expressions they don't know what's going on, really. And there are more sets like that. There's another set of middle-aged men called Something Wrong Here Somewhere. And you can see that they are puzzled by what's happening. Several of them are really about people who don't know what's happening.
0: The pictures seem to show a great empathy and feeling for others, particularly those experiencing hardship and distress, like you say, do you feel things have reached a low point? Is it something that you really wanted to speak about in your work?
1: I don't sit around thinking things are really bad, you know, but that reaction is in me, I'm sure. It manifests in the drawings, you see, and I discover it in the drawings. I've also got a series of pictures, some of which are on at the Coningsby Gallery now, called Senelier Portraits, and these are drawn with a Sennelier oil stick, Very big, some of them. I've done portraits with them, imaginary portraits. And the problems of the situation are in some of those faces, you know. Certainly, concern for other people is in there. I'm slightly embarrassed to say so, but it really is. And I think that's part of the job that I do. Any kind of illustration, you relate to some situation. So you have to attempt to sort of identify. You become the people in that story, really.
0: I read that you'd been involved for many years with Survival International, which campaigns for the rights of indigenous and tribal peoples. Yes. And now with this exhibition of works, it seems like you do feel you have a responsibility to society as an illustrator to bring things to light.
1: I do, yes. I can't do satire and I don't do propaganda, so to speak, but you want to reflect those things, I think. A slightly different version of it is that in recent years I've done quite a lot of work for hospitals and it's a sort of illustration situation because you, a lot of art in hospitals is just art in hospitals and it's beneficial to the patients. But the ones I've done are actually adapted to the situation so that the pictures for, for a place for elderly patients with mental health problems, those pictures are different from the ones from people with eating disorder problems. There, again, I'm used to kind of adapting to the situation.
0: The exhibition at Hastings Contemporary was due to open during Easter Of course, it's actually closed because of the pandemic, but it is accessible by robot tours. How do you feel about that?
1: I think it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I can't drive them, but we've done a little video of Liz Gilmore driving the... uh, Well, I mean, she has it in front of um, the long picture, the taxi driver, and we talk about it. I mean, it's typical of... Hastings, whatever I say so, because the moment when it became clear that the gallery wasn't going to open and you weren't going to be able to go in and see it, it took about 10 minutes for them to get into, you know, oh, we'll do it digitally, you know, sort of things. So they're, they're very proactive, I must say. Mm. So people can see the pictures.
0: Are you hopeful that your taxi driver will see them? Yes, I am. I don't <laughs> <laughs> In fact, if the show actually
1: gets physically, we hope that it'll still be physically present when things return to normal, please, God. And uh, I think we have an idea about getting all the Hastings taxi drivers to come in and have a look.
0: Most people will know you for your work for the books of Roald Dahl. Yes. How important is it for you as an illustrator to have a relationship with an author, is there a creative exchange there or is it largely about you trying to imagine the scenes that have already been put down on the page?
1: I think it's the second one. I mean, I knew Roald very well. I mean, I did several of his books after he died, you see, which I hadn't done before. I felt I could do that because I knew the way his mind works, you know, and the sort of comments he would make so that I was in on it, so to speak. There's definitely a relationship. I mean, which exists naturally anyway. But I've done several books of Michael Rosen, and we don't discuss them very much. In fact, on one occasion, he said, I'll give it to him, and he does it. But it isn't as simple as that, because we have a certain amount in our background. I was taught by his father, you know, kind of thing, at the London Institute of Education. So there's a sort of set of assumptions that we have, certainly some between us, so that I know something about the way he's thinking, the way his mind works or the way his gift works. His latest book is called On the Move Again, and it's about migrants, and it's about his people in his family, grandparents and people like that, who have come from Europe. And I was invited to illustrate it, which I have done. The book doesn't come out till October, I think, but what I've done is pictures of migrants. I mean, they're actually in The Hastings Show, That's just a coincidence, but I couldn't draw his members of his family, you know, because it would have been inappropriate and it would duplicate what he was writing. So I've I've done people crossing stormy landscapes or unsympathetic uh, scenes or fleeing from buildings or something of that kind. Curiously, they are just absolutely in parallel with the other things in the show and they are in the show.
0: Does an author ever come back to you and say, no, no, that's not how that person should look at all? Did Roald Dahl ever do that with you, for example?
1: We did talk quite a lot, and he did, well, I mean, he said, I thought she she was fatter than that. (laughs) But with the BFG, for instance, we had a lot of conversation about what he was wearing, you know, and that was interesting. I illustrated the BFG twice, once with a set of drawings which he thought I hadn't done enough, and so we started talking about it, and Somehow, they're talking to him about it, I got to know what the BFG was and how he was involved with the BFG as a sort of parallel figure. And I, I sort of got much closer to it. So I was able to do all the drawings again and many more drawings, feeling much closer to the BFG than I had. And of course, there is that... We had a long conversation about what he should wear and what he should look like, and so on and so on. which I don't do with most authors, but, I, I mean, it, we did quite a lot of talking. And then this... Brown paper parcel came with the sandal in it. And that was one of Royal's sandals. And that's what the BFG wears, if you look at the pictures. That's what he's wearing.
0: I believe you're 87, is that right? No, That's right, yes. And you still seem to be working very hard. you still feel like there's a lot of illustration in you that needs to come out? Yes,
1: I do. The current situation is distressing, and I'm distressed by it, but... In some respects, I'm having a lovely time. I've got a lot of joys to do. I, I've got a book by, uh, verses by John Yeoman, which, which I've completed, which will come out with Anderson Press when they can bring it out. I'm doing a book of my own for Tate Publishing. The deadlines have all gone peculiar. We don't know what they are at the moment. And uh, I'm doing another one, which is a sort of inspired by Dahl, although it's not by him but it's based on a quotation from him. That's what I'm doing at this very minute, is a book called Never Grow Up, because Mm. he he used to say, never grow up, only down, because Mm. he thought you should keep childish in certain respects Mm. or childlike. And that's what I'm doing at this moment. So uh, that's inspired by Roald, although it hasn't got his name on it.
0: Do you feel like you've kept childlike?
1: I kind of resist that a bit. I mean, I think what is interesting in doing the job, it's a kind of theatre, really, I think, you know, and you adapt to that situation. So if it's the taxi driver situation, you adapt to that. I mean, it's the same with Royal's books. They are very different, you know. So you Danny, the champion of the world, is quite naturalistic. The twist is caricature, so, so, so. No, I think what is interesting about the job is that you, if there are children in the book, I imitate children, you know. I, mean, I sort of imagine I am that. If it's the BFG, I imagine I'm him, you know, I, I do the gestures. It's, it's like a for, form of theatre, really, I think. What's going on in your head is several things at the same time. When you're drawing or when you're organising the drawings, you're being the person you're drawing, you're also thinking, did I draw that properly? As well, does that look like him? Is that the right expression? And then you're thinking, how does it look on the page? And is that the right technique? And is this the right pen leave? And so on. That's what's fascinating about it to me, because there are so many things happening at the same time. But, I mean, I'm also, because I'm probably doing more work, I mean, like these a portraits and things of that kind, there's a myth of being a bit gloomy about things, if you see what I mean. Mm. There's a sort of wider range of stuff. But it's very curious how that uh, Michael Rosen book is exactly on the subject.
0: Yes. Is there a classic book that you've always wanted to illustrate and you haven't had time to do yet?
1: I've got the wrong answer, but in in a way, because I've, on some previous occasion, been asked that question, and I've actually illustrated the book I want to do illustrate. (laughs) There isn't one I still want to do. Oh, which was that? That was a book called Voyages to the Moon and the Sun, and it's by Cyrano de Bergerac. And it's a precursor of Gulliver's Travels. And, you know, the moon is, is... I forget which is which, but the moon... I mean, everybody's... They don't wear clothes, and they're twice, three times as big as we are, and so on and so on. It's like Gulliver's Travels, bigger or smaller and so on and so on. Uh, but of course it's a hundred years before that. It was 17th century anyway, 1660, something like that. Mm. And it's the most extraordinary book. And I've, I've done it twice for the Folio Society. I did it 25 years ago. And then they brought out another edition recently with some more new drawings and all the old ones and a, and a more handsome edition. Swift is very sort of, I mean, he's satirical. Cyrano isn't really satirical, but he's interested in everything. There are extraordinary things in it. I mean, there's Cyrano. He, he's talking to one of these people on the moon or the, the sun. He's in the nude. All he's wearing is around his waist is a bronze facsimile of a man's genitals. You see, <laughs> <laughs> and Cyrano's a bit shocked by this. He said, "What's really this original?" Uh, and the chap says, "Well, look, this is for creating people. What are you wearing?" A sword, that's for killing people. He likes ideas like that. You know, mm. He looks at ideas all the time. And the other thing in it is he's got a version of what became the, what was it, Sonny Walkman or something mm. like that, you know. I mean, he's got a clockwork thing that you hang on your ear and it reads stories to you. Well, this is 350 years ago if you know
0: right very visionary yeah
1: <laughs> extraordinary you yeah. know and, and so he had he's got such a lively mind but I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to say I, d- I did it and the folio Society let me do it and they brought it out again recently in a very handsome edition you know I, I'm constantly pleased with he was such a fascinating man.